Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. This is Justin Wright, your co-host. And I'm your other co-host, Jared Miller. And hey, you made it to episode two, which either means one of two things. You didn't hate us last time or you didn't hear us last time. And either way, we're glad you're here. Yeah, very excited to be back for episode two. Uh, Had a ton of fun doing the first episode and I can't wait to see where episode two goes. We are in a little bit of a different setup today, though, aren't we, Jared? We are. Uh, Justin is no longer at my house physically with me here, so we are going to be each recording from remote locations and trying to mash it all together when all is said and done, so we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully, it sounds good for you guys. Yeah, it should be interesting. This is uh, definitely a new experience as I rustle my papers, and I'm sure it gets picked up on the microphone. <laughs> that's all right we're guinea pigs here today so before we get into anything jared i want to talk about something very exciting that i saw today let's hear it that is the buccaneers sharing their workout videos and those ooh, those crispy passes from tom brady to gronk oj howard cameron Brait. he has got a full suite of tight ends to choose from crispy and it, passes it just makes me so excited there's even some videos of him showing to throwing to uh, LaShawn McCoy already. And let me tell you, for for a 30, I think 32-year-old running back, it looked pretty good. Hey, hey, you never know. I, I fully expect by the end of today, after we get this out, I want crispy passes to be trending on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag crispy passes. <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see what told the... Uh... Tampa Bay Tom looks like, hey, an uh, belated happy 43rd birthday to Yeah, 43. That's incredible. To be playing at such a high level. Oh, man. Yeah. I will never be in as good a shape as Tom Brady is at 43. I'll never be in as good a shape as Tom Brady is at 25. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the big news of the week. Uh, And let's start with something that actually happened a week ago. Tuesday, when the Los Angeles Dodgers played the Houston Astros, a much-anticipated game that was kind of on everyone's calendars before the coronavirus pandemic hit. Sorry, Jerry, before we get into this, I think I hear someone banging on a trash can somewhere. It's really weird. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that is, but I'll tell you who does know what it is. The Dodgers, and specifically Dodger pitcher Joe Kelly... Yeah, it's. I know the first thing that kind of showed up on my radar about it was just the picture of his face as he was walking <laughs> off the mound, just the... The pouty uh, face. Yeah. I loved it. Oh. I, yeah, it was, it was very, very comical. Of course, that was accompanied with a couple of pitches that were, you know, pretty a, a maliciously close. thrown. Yeah. A little close. Yeah, so uh, if everyone remembers before coronavirus kind of rocked the sports world the number one story at least in the mlb uh going into march and into spring training was the astros cheating scandal in the 2017 season that of course resulted in their world series championship and kind of one of the big questions that everyone was asking baseball fans all over the country were asking was how was houston going to be quote-unquote punished and if you want to talk about the route of the actual MLB and there was really little to no punishment. It was a slap on the wrist. And I don't follow the MLB nearly as close as you do. So correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty much 
or I believe actually all the punishments were just on the side of the, you know, the coaching staff and the ownership, correct? Yeah, the players were not, no player was suspended any games for what happened in 2017, and the Astros still have a bunch of those guys from that roster on their team this year. So there was a lot of uproar about that, and then that uproar got amplified even more over this last week when Joe Kelly got suspended for eight games for his actions against the Astros last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And to put that in perspective... Remember, this is a 60-game season, not a typical 162-game season. So Joe Kelly has been actually suspended for 13% of this year. Yeah, and that that's huge. In a normal season, that would amount to approximately 21 games. So he's basically been the... So yeah, he's been uh, suspended the equivalent of 32 games. That's, that's a huge fine to levy against a player for... Granted, I'd say the pitches were out of line, but you know the mo- the the faces and the mocking, so to say. I don't know. It's you gotta kind of feel for those Dodgers. I'm sh- they've got to be upset after you know everything came out the way it did. Yeah, of course. And there's one 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 little caveat I, I we need to point out before we go any further in this discussion is Joe Kelly actually didn't pitch for the Dodgers in 2017 when they faced the Astros in the World Series. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a personal vendetta against the Astros still. At the time, he pitched for the Red Sox, who lost to that same Astros team in the American League Division Series in the playoffs that year. So Joe Kelly still lost to the Astros, the cheating Astros, in the playoffs, just not in the World Series with the Dodgers. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he still had... He still had skin in the game, even though he wasn't on the Dodgers. Yeah, so you hear a lot of these people, I think a lot of them are Astros fans, who are jumping on Joe Kelly saying, you know, what's what's your deal, man? You weren't even on that Dodgers team. And it's, you know, I, I see that two ways. First off, like I said, he was on the Red Sox. He still faced him. He still lost to a team that cheated. And also, I kind of see it as he is taking, I'm not going to say taking this mantle for his new teammates, but... Now with the Dodgers, I mean, these are his teammates now. These are his guys, and, you know, it, it's pretty clear. And it should be an encouraging thing for Dodgers fans to see that this guy is really embracing L.A. so much that he's willing to, you know, get himself suspended for his his teammates that weren't even his teammates at the time. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it endears him to L.A. fans. Absolutely. It's, uh, I know... Uh, your friend Mike Michael, correct? Yeah, Mike, Dodgers fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know he. You texted him about it, and you know showed him the shirt that already had been made. Like what the day after or something? Yeah, a day Joe or two after <laughs> the free Joe shirts. Yeah, um, but I'm I I'm sure that Michael, along with other Dodgers fans, like this a lot. Honestly, you know, you know, kind of a rebellious, rambunctious player is oftentimes you know. A, a fan favorite oh definitely and i will start off with myself saying too that i i'm never a proponent of throwing a baseball at somebody especially their head so i was not okay with that part but as far as like the the jawing and the taunting and the faces as he's going back to the dugout of course i mean i'm totally fine with that you know one thing that so many baseball fans myself included were anticipating this season before the pandemic hit was to see what other teams and other teams fans were going to do to the Astros when they went everywhere. So 
And another way the Astros got off scot-free with this is they're playing in empty ballparks this year. They're not going to have to be met with a chorus of boos when they hit the road. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it's a story that we obviously didn't forget about, but it definitely got pushed to the back burner when coronavirus hit and prolonged sports. So they, they got a little bit lucky that way. I'm sure that they kind of hoped and thought that everyone would just forget about it entirely and if there's two teams that won't it's those Dodgers and it's the Yankees who lost to them in the American League Championship Series that year too so mm-hmm. we could see some fireworks when the Astros play the Yankees this year also yeah and that'll be interesting to see how that kind of proceeds throughout the year um and yeah it's it's just such a such as a bizarre situation on how this year's played out with all these different factors, you know, the cheating scandal coming to light, the coronavirus shortening the season, how these are all working together and, you know, how it's going to shape this this baseball season as a whole. Yeah, well, and the other thing uh, I want to point out, and, and in no way am I defending Joe Kelly throwing at Astros batters because it was clear that he was doing it intentionally. It yeah. happened too many times for it to be an accident. But there was a video earlier this summer that went viral of Joe Kelly practicing at his house, practicing a new pitch he was working on. And he had a pitching net set up in his backyard. And this net had to be 10 yards wide. Mm. I mean, it was a big old thing. It was like thrown at the side of an elephant. And he threw a pitch that just went wide, wide to the right. And it took out a window in his house. (laughs) So, so my point is the guy has been known to be erratic in his pitches, um, in games. He's definitely, he's definitely walked a lot of guys. He's definitely had some wild ones, but what happened last Tuesday, it was, it was intentional. And anyone who knows anything about what happened in baseball over the last three years knows it was. And then the other thing is when he pitched for the Red Sox in a game in 2018, when they were playing the Yankees, of course, big rivalry there, uh, Joe Kelly, and Yankees batter Tyler Austin got into a big brawl in that game. And it was a, I remember that clip happening at the time. And I remember what I loved the most about it was I can't remember if he hit Austin or not, but whatever he did, Austin had a problem with it. And he started charging the mound. And Joe Kelly threw his pitcher's mitt down. And he kind of looked at Tyler Austin and you could read his lips and he said bring it on and they got in a huge brawl and I I loved it so this guy's not new to fighting either yeah he doesn't sound like he's gonna be someone that backs down especially if uh, he feels I'm sure slighted and cheated which is completely fair yeah so he's not gonna back down like you said and I think what happened when the MLB dropped the eight game suspension on him First off, it's extremely hypocritical to suspend him for eight games, like we said, 13% of this season for doing that and not suspending any of the Astros players for cheating to win their first World Series. So that's the hypocrisy of it. Yeah, I would agree. And like, let's talk about the suspension because I feel like we see this across the sports world, not just with, you know, baseball, but, you know, let's let's talk about football. We see some players in, in football get punished with a heavier hand than, you know, others. Some are kind of the quote-unquote golden children of the league, and so they get away with more. And you see that on the team level as well. I mean, we could talk about the Steelers and how, you know, they have, uh, 
you know, their personal quote-unquote code of conduct that seems to apply to some but not to all. And I think I think right now the the Astros are kind of getting that preferential treatment because granted yes their their coaching and their ownership got, you know, in trouble, but the, those players went along with that as well. So Oh, 100%. Like even, you know, I mean, everyone in that organization knew what was going on, and anyone who tells you otherwise is just burying their head in the sand. Um, yeah. And, and here's my two theories on why the MLB has came down so hard on Joe Kelly. First off, they want to send a message to the rest of baseball this year saying, do not take justice into your own hands when it comes to the Astros. But many of these players feel like they have to because... Yeah, because if if they don't take the justice into their own hands, the league has made it clear that they're not going to take justice yeah. into their hands. Yeah, and, and this is not a new thing for baseball. This has been a tale in baseball as old as the sport itself. If mm. there's these unwritten rules in baseball, and when you break them, you get punished by your peers on the field. And whether it's right or wrong, unfortunately, sometimes that punishment comes in the form of a 96-mile-an-hour fastball right to your side. So that's just how baseball has been since its inception. And then my yeah. other theory on why the MLB is dropping this hammer so hard on him is because not only are they trying to send a message to other teams, they know that... Like, when that happened last Tuesday, the announcers calling that game, you know, were all but forced to talk about where that came about from and the cheating. And baseball wants nothing more than to just forget about this. And the best way to do that or to start doing that is to have announcers stop talking about it. So if there's no more instances like this, it's less likely that the announcers are going to bring it up as often. And mm -hmm. I almost wonder if this is going to have the opposite of the desired effect. If teams down the road are going to push the envelope. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked at all if when the Astros play the Yankees this year, you see the same thing because the Yankees were just about as slighted as the Dodgers were in 2017. Yeah. So I don't know, but it's another bad look for the MLB as if they didn't have enough of those this summer already. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of became a fan of Joe Kelly over the last week. Again, not for the throwing a 96 mile an hour projectile at another person's head, but for the, the pouty face and the, and the, the trash talking and, you know, yeah, absolutely. the Astros had to know that that was coming and they had to know of all teams it was coming against. It was going to be the Dodgers. Well, maybe there's some great conspiracy theory. Cause like you said, I can, I can totally see the MLB not wanting to talk about it, but I almost can also see the MLB wanting it to be talked about. So they're, you know, saying the opposite, hoping that people do talk about it. Yeah. Because, you know, those those fights, those rivalries, those those grudges make for good TV, so to speak. You know, yeah. entertainment. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know, we see the same kind of thing over with, like, uh, professional wrestling, you know. Well, that's a whole other situation. They manufacture those stories because they know that drama brings in the crowd. Yeah, well, and like I said at the beginning of this baseball fans around the country at least the diehard ones they had astros dodgers circled on their calendars this year the minute that schedule came out because they yeah. knew i i would be very interested to see the the viewership numbers that we get for that for that uh astros yankees game yeah yeah well and it's a long shot but can you imagine if these two teams met in the world series again this year if a world series even happens so oh my yeah. word it's uh that'll be crazy 
Yeah, if, if yeah. it happens, so, it's a big Anyway, right that's now. my two cents on the whole Joe Kelly situation. I uh, I became a fan of the guy. And again, I'm pretty biased as a Mariners fan. I've never held the Astros in high regards, and now they're just, no pun intended, in the trash can for me. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on from Joe Kelly and the trash can to Astros, and let's talk about some fairly exciting news that I know you and I are both uh, yeah. very interested about. The XFL being purchased by none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson for $15 million. And if anyone was going to step in and be the XFL's savior, their messiah, who else would it be but The Rock? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think this is amazing. It, You know, I, I've talked with you in the past, and I don't remember if I talked about it, on our last podcast, but I, I was a fan of the XFL. Um, the, the second iteration, I, the way it yeah. is going right now, it's this is the third time it's, you know, it died. It has risen from the grave. It's starting to look a lot like, you know, a zombie at this point, just coming back. But I, I was a big fan of the, this last iteration of the XFL. I thought it had some legitimately good ideas. I thought it had some very entertaining football to watch. Of course, the Tampa Bay team still sucked, um, <laughs> but I think this is a great opportunity. You know, first off, you have The Rock, who is already more likable than Vince McMahon, which is a huge check mark for you know this this third iteration of the XFL. Um, and you know they're they're getting it for you know fifteen million dollars, which is just incredibly cheap. That's getting them all the. The stadium rentals, the TV deals, all the all the behind-the-scenes stuff that comes with the league. Yeah, it almost feels like they're getting it for pennies on the dollar. And I remember that was my first thought, too, when I saw that price. I thought, $15 million, there's no way. But the one—well, let me say, the one thing about that, though, is they could be shot down if the bankruptcy court decides that that is too low of a price for them to pay for okay, it. Okay, yeah, okay. But at this point, I don't think that'll happen. Um, cause I can't believe anybody would say no to the rock yeah. at all, but and no to, you know, selling something like that in general. Cause who else is going to want to buy yeah. it? Well, and, and that was a, that was still a holdover from when they declared chapter 11 bankruptcy back in April. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. But yeah. And, and when I read that news, it didn't shock me in the slightest that of all people, it was him that did it because first off, if anyone who knows anything about the rock knows that this sort of thing is not foreign to him but also the rock has a football background you know playing at university of miami in college he loves the sport so i think he's gonna be great for it oh yeah i think the rock is just a twofold amazing owner for for this friend or for this organization you know like you said he first of all like you said he has the football background but second of all this man is the highest paid actor of 2019. People come and see his movies. He's been in like a hundred Fast and Furiouses <laughs> now. Um, the the Jumanji movies, you know, all this stuff recently. But he he's a very popular man, and you can understand why because even in his bad movies, he's still entertaining. At least to 100%, me, hundred percent. I agree with that absolutely. And so you know, the XFL started off very strong last year with you know around three million viewers on the first games. But, you know, like we talked about before, that, that dipped off. You have The Rock, 
and his audience appeal, you know, if even for that first year, if he can find a way to, you know, draw that crowd in by him making an appearance or like showing uh, an exclusive movie clip or something like that to draw those people in every week, I think, I think people get hooked, you know, that broad appeal, you know, maybe he, you know, he could do any number of publicity stunts. He could coach a team and I guarantee people would be like, Whoa, Oh, just, just cool. you saying that makes me more apt to tune in. I mean, just the idea of that. Yeah. What if he got, what if him and Kevin Hart each took a team? Seattle and Tampa he's got that, Bay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They could each coach a team because he's got that amazing friendship with Kevin Hart as well. Well, friendship, trolling, relationship, whatever you want to call it. That would be an absolute riot. Yeah. Um, or they coach a team together, which I also think would be pretty funny. Oh, um, man. He lets, he lets Kevin Hart play on a couple snaps. <laughs> Kevin Hart, the quarterback. <laughs> um, But... I just, there's an, any number of ways that he could take this and make it very entertaining. But, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think this is going to be very exciting, though, because The Rock is very charismatic. And, you know, him just owning the XFL makes me even more excited for it than I had been previously. Yeah, and, and it's like you said before, you used that term, uh, audience appeal. I And like you said, who's better at it than him? He's yeah. going to find a way to amp up that crowd i bet you i would be willing to bet almost anything that whenever it comes back that its first season of viewership or its first week is going to be higher than it was in vince mcmahon's first week i i i can completely agree with that um i bet we see you know celebrity guests you know special movie premieres and you know he's already kind of got that in with like the talk shows and stuff and can go and plug it and you know there's there's a million ways for him to advertise this now and i think this is going to have nothing but positive effects for the xfl and this is the point that you can cut that clip in a year when the xfl is like negative a million dollars in the hole and you know berate me on it and tell me how (laughs) wrong i was you know what you know what they say the third time's a charm right yeah absolutely and this is this is try number three and to be fair, I didn't even begin to know the XFL's anything in its first edition. But I will say that of the two times I've been aware of its existence, um, I am definitely more hopeful this time around. I had a lot of skepticism last year, a lot of optimism, but a lot of skepticism too. And this year I don't have nearly as much. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is great for those, you know, those fringe guys that want to play professional football. We've seen a couple of them go over and actually sign with NFL teams for this this coming season. But, you know, as we've seen in the NFL itself, there's a lot of these these players from college that'll go undrafted or undiscovered and, you know, be excellent players. Uh, Gardner, or excuse me, not Gardner Minshew, Philip Lindsay is obviously the example that always comes to mind um, when talking about that. But even people that are slated to be perennial backups like Gardner Minshew, you know, can definitely show us that even though they're not the, you know, the first draft pick, they are still contenders. They are professional football players. And I think the XFL is a great way for, you know, those players to show that and, you know, get that, get that potential shot at 
you know, the big time. Yeah, it's no different in that respect than the Canadian Football League. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the NFL dip into that talent pool many times, and that's the thing I tell people all the time about the Canadian Football League. I always get a hard time when I tell people I watch it, and they're like, why? It's not, <laughs> quote-unquote, real football. And it's like, well, just because they have some rule differences, yes, it absolutely is. And if you've ever watched those guys play, you would know that. Those guys are just a half a tier below our NFL guys. Yeah, and you know what? Anybody that says the Canadian Football League isn't real football go up and play a snap and i bet you'll you won't be able to tell the difference between getting hit by a cfl linebacker and an nfl linebacker that's a very very good point i'm gonna have to save that one because i'm sure i'll hear about you're, it. you're welcome to use that that's that's my gift i to absolutely you. will <laughs> but yeah and then um i i re- actually with this whole xfl purchase i read a thing i believe it was an espn article and it says, you know, based on what happens with the pandemic, it's a product that could hit the field again as early as 2021, and they might try a bubble concept. That would be that would be very cool. Oh, I was just going to say, and it would be much more doable than a bubble for the NFL, where you're worried about 32 teams. Now you're only worried about eight. I believe it was eight that they fielded last year, right? Um, I believe so. Let me double check that real quick. I think it was four in the east and four in the west. But yeah, a bubble, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, but a bubble is, at least so far, seeming to be the answer in terms of sports and how you combat this COVID. Yeah, you are correct. It, it was eight teams, but there was a lot of fans speculating that they were going to have another eight-team expansion from what I'm seeing. Or that might just be some fan stuff. You know what, just uh, don't take that as any sort of fact, because this looks like it was all just, never mind, this was fan speculation. But here's the thing, if they do show tremendous success and potential for growth, they will expand like crazy. Oh, absolutely. There is a, there's a lot of cities that have been, you know, slighted by NFL teams even, or begging for that football market. Yeah. Um... You know, St. Louis is a great example because they kind of, you know, have just gotten the short end of the stick over and over again at this point. And that would be a a good way for Rams fans of old that still live in that city to start recovering a little bit. Maybe an XFL team would help ease that pain a little bit. Yeah, or we saw even uh, with the AAF throwing it back even further. Man, the AAF, the AAF seems like it was a million years ago right now. I know. I be, I don't even remember the teams that were in it. I remember the colors a little bit, and I remember I remember one guy got hit really hard in week one, and that's about all I remember of the AAF. The San Antonio team in the AAF had found a lot of fan support. That is an, that's one of those cities I was talking about that really wants a football yeah. you know, presence. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually just thinking about it this morning, and I was thinking of putting it up as a poll question on the Expansion Buddies Twitter page, and if you haven't followed yet, it's the Expansion BU1, that's the number one. I was thinking about putting a poll question up for people. What city does it surprise you that they don't have a professional sports team in some league, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, what have you? And yeah, the one that did come to mind was St. Louis in the NFL. And, of course, you can talk New Orleans with baseball or Pittsburgh with basketball. But, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy because, especially with St. Louis, they used to have a football team. And then they 
now don't, of course. And we all know that the Rams are now over in California doing... Well, yeah, and they used to have... They used to have a football team a couple times, actually, way back in the day when the Cardinals first came to be. They were the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, my word. I forgot about that. Yep. And again, like we talked about last time, a little bit of confusion there, naming your pro football team the same thing as your pro baseball team. But yeah, so St. Louis has had a team a couple times and then lost it a couple times. And the the people you feel worse for obviously are the fans and the you know the city's taxpayers paid to build that stadium that now by and large sits empty for most of the year it's that's a tough pill to swallow i think for you know some some of these teams then that are looking to you know build a new stadium or update their infrastructure there's some fans i'm sure that look and see you know well those guys just up and left why would i you know why would i want that you know that could just be wasted money I believe that uh, St. Louis taxpayers weren't even done paying off taxes on that stadium when the Rams moved. Oh out. my word, that's that's so, horrible. That stings. That stings. But yeah, so an XFL franchise there, like I said, it wouldn't be quite the same pomp and circumstance as an NFL team. But God, it would be something for those poor fans. Yeah, and I I am interested to see you know what they keep from this past generation of the XFL. If they just kind of you know, keep the same plan and just basically continue on, you know, this in 2021 as if the 2020 season had gone off without a hitch or if they make any changes and, you know, who they keep from the old, you know, because we had, um, oh my gosh, I I just had it and now I lost it. The, uh, commissioner for the XFL, um, Andrew Luck's father. Yes. Andrew Luck's father. But I wonder if they keep him on as commissioner, you know, a man with experience who, kind of got his feet wet with the last iteration of the xfl yeah oliver luck or if they try to start from a clean slate yeah and that's a that's a good point too that i hadn't really thought about are the is it going to look like the xfl that we remembered from 2020 or is it going to be a whole brand new thing and this would be a chance to completely rebrand and you know kind of rip the rip the foundation out and start all over so i don't know what they're going to but I trust The Rock. Whatever he does, I think it's going to be great. And I th- oh, and we do have to remember, too, we keep talking about The Rock. He did not buy the XFL alone, though, even though I looked it up because I wanted to know. His net, work, his net worth is $320 million. He absolutely could have bought it alone. But he actually bought it with two partners. He bought it with um, Redbird Capital and then a woman named Danny Garcia, who is actually his ex-wife. She is the first female league owner, which I found... Uh, pretty interesting uh, of a sports league they're gonna have to come together and you know make any of these decisions it's not actually just a rock although i'm willing to bet he is going to be the face of the franchise yeah so to speak well that is the name that definitely stands out or stood out to me when i first saw the news on uh, on monday absolutely that i mean yeah, the, it's The Rock. Yeah, yeah. So what's not to love? We smell what you're cooking, XFL. We smell it. <laughs> I Like I said, yeah, I'm very, very excited. Um, I can't wait to see how it goes. And, you know, if The Rock coaches a team, I'm buying that jersey. Just saying. <laughs> You've already got a fan here in Justin, no matter what team that is. If it was a Tampa Bay team, you know, I'd be even happier. A certain Vipers franchise? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun, and I'm, I like I said, I'm really excited and hopeful about it, and it would be awesome if they could get it up and rolling again by 2021. 
it's too bad that they weren't you know if they hadn't started a little bit after covid had they could have come up and done like maybe a bubble style like we're seeing now because people have been so starved for sports entertainment or entertainment in general if the xfl have been able to go off this past year they would have had amazing numbers they would have had amazing viewership yeah well the other thing too is even if they hadn't been able to go with covid if they had kind of pushed their start back and weren't even able to start they could have taken a full another off season to really do this the right way and really get ready for you know a hopeful 2021 year so yeah either way it was heartbreaking what happened to him and it just poor timing like you said i think we've talked the xfl to death you know other than just again saying i'm very very excited to see what happens yeah yeah and like you were just saying people being starved for sports well sports are back in whatever capacity they can be right now and we've got a lot of thoughts on that too because we're seeing a wide spectrum of how well and how not well it's working and you know right now uh mlb is going on nhl uh the playoffs are going on or the the lead up to the playoffs the i don't exactly know how to yeah the qualifiers there you go it's weird kind of delegations for what they're calling them right now um, and then, of course, we've got the basketball uh, games going on as well. Which yeah. I didn't realize they were in, is it Disneyland or Disney World that they're in? Disney World down in Orlando. Yeah, the Disney World Sports Complex. I didn't realize they were there, and I thought that was a pretty cool use of that space, you know, with COVID going on, because they have the whole sports complex there and, you know, amenities for the players, and obviously there's uh, the housing opportunities there, or the lodging, I should say, not housing. Yeah. Yeah, so they're staying in those hotels, those really nice hotels. I think they're using three mm-hmm. different ones on the campus there. But yeah, like you said, it's a great use of those facilities because it's not like they were going to be used for anything else right now. And it's great, if nothing else, it's great, you know, advertisement for for Disney and Disney World. I mean, to have the NBA playoffs and finals be hosted at your at your event center. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's a smart move by by disney world because if you're not getting that tourism this is a great way to make up for lost revenue yeah and fun little side note as far as them making money down there uh i was listening to the pat mcafee show just this morning another shameless plug for old pat we just can't stop talking about you on this yeah, show I, I, well we can't stop listening to him either yeah but uh i was listening to his show this morning and he had on one of the Orlando Magic players, uh, Terrence Ross, and was interviewing him about what life was like down there in the bubble right now. And granted, Terrence Ross is somebody, obviously, playing for Orlando. It didn't have to travel very far, but he still has to abide by all their protocols and rules down there in the bubble. And he was saying that they're obviously allowed to get room service and order meals and stuff, but they those NBA players still all have to pay for that room service. So it's not oh, really? it's not compensated. So that those hotels in Disney oh, Disney is still making money off of them. Oh well, yeah, I mean Disney's got to find a way to grease their palms. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I just found that to be an interesting little little nugget of information from from Mr. Terrence Ross. But back to the NBA as a whole, as far as sports returning in the country goes, they're the ones that I think so far are doing it the most successfully. Oh, I I would agree. I would agree. I'd say it's them, the NHL, and then baseball is down there at the bottom. Yeah. 
it, after a significant gap. It's the NBA, it's the NHL, it's every other high school peewee league in the country, and then it's baseball. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think the last two test results that have come out, or the rounds of test results that have come out of the bubble down there in Orlando, zero positive cases. So that's... That's really dang good. And I know they have had trouble with a few players that have broken the bubble. I remember one, I don't remember the player name, but had accidentally broken the bubble going out for takeout or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember who he was, but I remember he played for the Clippers. Lou Williams, that's who it was. But, you know, there's there's things like that, and I think I think in any group you're going to kind of have have that where they're like you know the rules don't necessarily apply to me i mean you know this is a teacher there's always a couple yeah um but ultimately with zero positive cases that's that's really good odds you know um and i know from what i saw they set up like a policing hotline that if they saw someone trying to break the curfew or they knew someone was going to they could call it and then that player would get whatever repercussions um yeah we're the snitch tra- line yeah the snitch line i haven't heard much about that in recent weeks though it was something i know that a lot of people were afraid that it was going to be taken advantage of it's yeah like, it's hey, like oh our uh, opponents tomorrow they're all breaking curfew it's time <laughs> right? to lock up the utah jazz you know i i know that i have to play the lakers tomorrow and coincidentally i think i saw lebron james leaving so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, say what you will about LeBron. I don't feel like he would ever break, break oh, no. curfew. I think that game is too important to him. Yeah, and it, it's at least so far it's proven to be for a lot of those guys, which is good. And like it's like I said before, ultimately you can put all the rules and protocols that you want in place, but this is going to fall on the players' shoulders to just do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of a good thing because those players do need to take up and or step up and take responsibility. And, you know, be good examples for their teammates, you know, the people that they're role models for. Because, you know, a lot of kids look up to those players. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then just all the COVID stuff aside, the NBA restart, there's been some good games. I mean, some some really tight games that have just mm-hmm. come down mm-hmm. to the wire. And uh, just on Tuesday, the Brooklyn Nets, of all teams the depleted Brooklyn Nets who were supposed to do nothing when they got to Orlando just beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one team in the East. Yeah, and that's that's crazy because it was, what, three, four years ago that these... The Brooklyn Nets, you know, they were just the bottom of the bin as far as, you know, teams went. They had Jeremy Lin. That was about it. Yeah. And Lin then, of course, he... It. Yeah, and now Lin's gone, of course. And, and then this year, you had a, a pretty talented Nets team that was predicted to go to the playoffs, and they've, they've earned themselves into one as of now. But, you, you know, Kevin Durant, obviously mm-hmm. who didn't play mm-hmm. all season, didn't go down to the bubble with him. Kyrie Irving opted out. They had all these guys opt out, all these starters, and then you had everyone saying, well, then what's the point of them even going? They are going to get r- railroaded by the teams they play down there with a backup roster. And like I said, here on Tuesday, they just beat the – the Bucks, so maybe they're yeah they're not going away quietly. You know, one of the the plus sides to this is you know that losing those players, being told you know they shouldn't be there, things like that, they might have just fired them up. You know, maybe yeah. they got that Michael Jordan mentality right now, where like you insulted me, so we've got to beat you now. 
Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of basketball to be played, but... Um, speaking of those Milwaukee Bucks, though, they also just lost to Houston, I saw. They did. Uh, that was, what, a Sunday night, I believe it was. Yeah, but very important about that game, they were wearing their Cream City jerseys, and I, I never knew... How much I wanted something like that. You know, because those are talk to. gorgeous jerseys. You know who you should talk to then? My brother. He bought two of them. <laughs> oh, he really? Spent the, he spent the money to buy two Cream City jerseys, and he would not stop talking about them last time I saw him. So he's got them. I've seen he, them in person. They're something. They're, I like them. I like them a lot. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Cream City. Let's talk about uh, the NHL. How about though? Yeah, another another group that's starting. I think I read starting things interestingly. I think I read where they also had no positive tests in their last round of testing, whenever that was. Um, and the- yeah, I'm sure they're doing you know daily testing. Um, because I mean they can't risk the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're if I understand correctly, they're doing two bubble cities, correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, I. One is the Eastern Conference, one is the Western Conference, if I remember correctly. Both up in Canada. Yes, everything is up in Canada. Makes sense. Yeah, the Eastern and the Western Conferences. Um, and let's see, where are those? Oh, I think I know the cities, but I don't want to say the incorrect cities and have you know, the mayors come down on me for spreading. Is that slander or libel if it's in verbal podcast form? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure. We'll just stay away from it, though, altogether. Yeah. But speaking of upsets, like we were uh, just It's in Toronto NBA. and Edmonton. Okay, okay. Uh, speaking of upsets, though, boy, we've had a couple in hockey. Oh, no kidding. And that's... Oh, I guess kind of talking about those. I think for some of these teams, this this break, this, you know, pause on their season, basically, you know... The disruption on their season was the best thing for them. They got players back from injury. Um, it stopped any hot streaks that were going on because it's hard to have yeah. a hot streak after not playing for three months. You know, kind of just reset everybody to to square one, and that was a really good te- thing. Yeah, for teams that were beat up and let guys heal up, and yeah, you're seeing some really good competition right now in sports, and I think that that's a huge reason why. And, you know, there's, uh, like we talked about with the Nets, there's some of these teams that, like we saw in uh, one article we were reading, you know, some people are just like, they don't deserve to be here. And I think they're trying to kind of disprove that, honestly. Playing with a chip on their shoulder, for sure. Exactly, exactly. And then as far as NHL teams go, I don't know if it's a chip on their shoulder or something in the water or what, but how about your Chicago Blackhawks? Yeah, that was incredibly surprising. You know, they were ranked, you know, fairly low... They weren't having a horrible season. They had, you know, fairly decent offense, but defense was just almost non-existent. And, you know, they kind of snuck in because of how this year got set up. But then, you know, they pulled out and they were just scoring goals left and right. Yeah, they were uh, um, They were a 12 seed, weren't they? Um, Yeah. So, yeah, the 12 is the lowest seed that they sent in on each side. I know that. And um, they... They were able to get that game one upset over Edmonton. Of course, Edmonton came back and won game two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by the time you guys hear this, game three will have already be decided. It's going to be played Wednesday. But yeah, you know they're putting up a fight, and so is Columbus. So is the, yeah. So is uh, Montreal, who I really know wasn't supposed to be there. 
Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, you're seeing some good hockey up there in Canada right now. I, I It's just awesome. For, oh, yeah. You know, it's it's great entertainment. Yeah. Yep. Sports-starved fans, like you said, they're getting their money's worth right now. Absolutely. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm very excited. I've... I, I'm getting geared up to go back to school, so I'm trying to keep up with all this news, but I honestly, I'm I'm doing a fairly subpar job. I, I've basically just been keeping up primarily with the XFL. You know, all those other leagues can just, you know, go by the wayside. No, but, uh, you know, I'm, I do struggle to keep up with all the news because it's kind of all hitting at once. But I'm, I know I'm very excited for the, the Stanley Cup and the hockey finals to, you know, get, or the NBA finals, excuse me, for that lead up because it's it's gonna be some great sports. You know Well it's it's exciting stuff. Championship time is always exciting. And as far as the NHL and the NBA goes, they are the two leagues that seem like they're actually gonna finish. And then we have baseball. <laughs> we have baseball. That's baseball which was you know, as of recording this there was a potential that it was going to be shut down by, you know, today is Tuesday the 4th. It was potentially going to get shut down on Monday the 3rd. That, of course, didn't happen. But, boy, you can see why there was the threat of it after everything that went on with the Miami Marlins. They were kind of the first to break those floodgates open. Um, from what I understand, their traveling group of 21 personnel and players that was up in philadelphia someone or someone's contracted the virus and it spread to 18 of those 21 individuals and then you got players on the cardinals that are coming up with it and it's just an ugly ugly deal and i was afraid that this might happen when you had teams that were still traveling that were still going to play in different markets and not going the bubble route again i I know it would have been difficult for a 30-team league to do. But I, I do think that if the NHL can do it by splitting it up between two very large bubbles, I think I think baseball could as well. It would be some. It would be kind of hinky to get it all figured out, but I think it would work. Anyway, you were saying yeah, there was talks it, about it? There was talks about it before the season started and kind of before all this, that, that they were going to do that, a two-bubble thing where the teams play their... Um, spring training games so you have eastern teams play in the play in florida and then you have western teams play spring training down in arizona Mm -hmm. and so that would of course make it a little weird because you'd split up the leagues and it wouldn't be an american league national league thing anymore it'd be more of an east west thing but you would have 15 teams in those split between those two locations and Boy, looking at how things have gone this first couple weeks of the baseball season, you almost wonder if that would have been the way to go. I I would hazard to say I think that was the way to go. Like you said, those teams getting the outbreaks, if that continues to happen, it's it's no stretch of the imagination that they just shut down that that seat or this season and yeah, you know, you go a year and it'll go down in history regardless. But you'll have a year that goes down in history as having. No World Series. And this wouldn't be the first time that happened. The 1994 player strike, there was no MLB season, so there was no World Series champion yeah. in 94 either. Which, let's be honest, that's a little little wrong, because I know there's other countries that play baseball. Yeah, the whole world champion thing. That's a, that's a whole different <laughs> argument. Maybe we'll have a discussion on that sometime. The, the, I th- 
I think that'd be good. You know, the World Series just automatic. I, there are MLB teams in Canada. The Canadian teams just play between themselves, and since the American teams clearly can't get their crap together right now. So you automatically give it to the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe Japan enters the fray. You know, they there's some serious baseball teams over there, too. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. Going back to uh, the MLB, Toronto, they were someone that until quite recently didn't even know they were going to be playing their quote-unquote home games this year because they weren't allowed to play up in Canada. The Canadian government told them, hey, we don't want American teams traveling up here, so you got to figure something out. And then they played around with the idea of doing it in Pittsburgh and sharing the stadium there, and that fell through because I think the Pirates didn't want to worry about an entire another team using their facilities and, you know, the the sanitization of one team yeah. is enough. So I think they finally settled on Baltimore. I think the Orioles said that they would share Camden Yards with them. But, boy, that was another side effect of the coronavirus thing that the, the Blue Jays were told, I think, 10 days before the season was supposed to start, hey, you can't play in your normal ballpark. Good luck. Yeah, that's that's rough, and that's 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 very sad for those Blue Jays because they basically – for this season, they're losing their home field advantage. And they're losing their homes. I mean, they can't go back up to Canada like, you know. It's not yeah, like that's true. Season that's season where they can't. They're going to have to hang out here in America for the next few months or until Yeah, were there over. were there any of those Blue Jays players that opted out so they could stay with their families? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not know. I don't remember hearing about any. But the Blue Jays are also a very young team right now. Not, mm-hmm. I don't want to say not talented, but weren't expected to compete a whole lot so yeah you know i didn't i haven't seen a whole lot about them in general there might have been a couple guys that did and if they did i wouldn't have blamed them yeah no i don't think you can that's it's it's a very tough decision right now that a lot of people have to make um and speaking of opt-outs you know opting out between sports and your family is that tough decision but speaking of opt-outs let's talk about the nfl players opting out yeah well and they the deadline for that just got pushed up till well, to the time you guys are hearing this today, Thursday, this afternoon. Uh, it's going to be the last day that they can make that decision. So, yeah, the NFL is worried about players abusing players abusing it. They're they're thinking that players that were going to get cut by the team are going to try to opt out so they still get that stipend of um, I think it's one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars for. Well, I think there's two different levels of stipends is 250,000 and 150,000 I think. I'd have to double yeah, check you, that. You would know more about that than me as far as that uh as far as that stipend stuff goes, but yeah, and I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that baseball is not indicative of what we're going to see in football when it gets going. Yeah, I wonder if the NFL is kind of thinking maybe the bubble is a way to go, although I don't know how they're going to do that with football. Well, and it would be too late, I would think, to start setting up a bubble now in early August when you've got the first games a month away. That's, I don't know, that's, it would, until they try to do it, we don't know if it's too late or not, but I I would tend to agree with you, I think it is it is too late. And um, I haven't heard any talks about them even considering it. No, and I don't think, I don't think Roger Goodell would. I think that, I think that is just too much effort and work for the NFL to put forward. Um, and the the logistical nightmare is just more than they want to put up with. Um, but as of as of the third of August, so August third, which was this past 
uh, Monday, there have been 44 players that have opted out, with the Patriots having the most. Um, what, what guys of note, notable? Um, of course, the the big ones are are uh, Devontae Hightower, um, Chung, and uh, oh crap, his name is now escaping me. There was one just very recently that that was a surprise to me at least. Um, Do you remember who he played for? Um, oh, I'm talking. These are these are Patriots oh, players. Oh, all Patriots. Yeah, I know that they've yep. had a lot hit by this or opted out. Yeah, and that's I'm looking up the list right now of NFL opt outs, but there is a um, there is a conspiracy theory that I've seen going around online that Belichick is orchestrating this this master plan that all of his veteran players are opting out so that they'll have a bad season, get a good draft spot, and grab uh, Trevor Lawrence. And then because the opt-out doesn't change their contract stipulations, those players come back still with you know one or two years on their contract and they have this amazing team with players that basically got paid to rest for a year. You know, I would like to brush that off as a crazy nut job conspiracy theory but with belichick you can't <laughs> yep you can't i know you can't. <laughs> um so let's see some of the uh the high or the surprising opt-outs i should say are like i said those those new england patriots the the dante hightowers the oh uh devin funches from the green bay packers that was kind of surprising to me at least yeah that'll be he'll be um, missed yeah and uh, oh, where was he at? It's still weird. I'm looking through this list of opt outs, and I see the Washington football team. It's still strange to see. There is one on the Giants. Oh, Nate Solder, their O lineman. And then I know the Broncos also had a right tackle that opted out as well, and I don't remember his name. Um, oh, Jawan James, and I know that's worrisome for the for the the Broncos because they have a tough time at that position. That is, it seems like. Yeah. So, you know that and the opt out thing. That's like we said. That's going to be settled by Thursday. So we'll know. Yeah. We'll know the final. I, uh, tally. I'm sure as soon as we're done, there's going to be a big mess of players that have opted out that we're just going to miss talking about on this podcast. Yeah, you'll have to listen to episode three to hear that. Yeah, it's crazy, and just like I said, as far as just the NFL as a whole, I really hope that baseball is not kind of a kind of a harbinger of what's going to happen with football because they're doing a very similar uh, format, playing in local markets, traveling, and yes, they axed the preseason, but I, I, I just hope that they can pull it off better than baseball seems to be because if you ask me right now, gun to my head, I would probably say that there is a less likely chance of the World Series happening than uh, a less than 50% chance of it happening in my book. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you come from there. Um, And yeah, it's time will tell. Yeah. Um, I know right now too, Matt Stafford recently got put on the COVID reserve list. So did Gardner Minshew. Uh, it's not been specified if either of them have COVID well, or not. So what happened was just today, Tuesday, uh, both of them got taken off those respective lists. 
Oh, did they? I did not see that yeah, news. Yeah, Matt Stafford, it was a false positive. I'm not 100% sure what happened with Gardner Minshew, but uh, he definitely... If I hope it's what he said happened. He said, the virus took one look at me and ran the other way. So. <laughs> I could believe it. I, I wouldn't want to pick a fight with Gardner Minshew. Yeah, but I think I read where Matt Stafford had... He had the one positive test, but then he took more, and he had like five negatives. So it was a false positive, and so they took him off the list. And it does sound like those false now, uh, those false negative or those false positives. Oh my word, are fairly common with these COVID tests. Yeah, you're not getting a complete. Obviously, no test is going to be a hundred percent. You know, nailed it, pin and nail. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So you wonder how that would impact the season going forward too. If let's say, hey, uh, Aaron Rodgers gets tested positive on Friday, and all of a sudden he can't play the Vikings on Sunday. And then it comes out. I, I don't know. That might be exactly what uh, the Packers want this year. Get their new guy out. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Love. Yeah. but And then he finds out Monday, okay, I didn't have it, and I missed a game for no reason. Yeah, it's going to be real sticky stuff you're dealing with there, so... Yeah, but I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure the days before the test, they're going to, or before the game, they're going to test multiple times to reduce the, reduce the risk on that. Yeah, so we'll see. It's all crazy stuff. It's all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, Another notable COVID reserve list, I guess you could say, that just came out is the head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, tested positive for COVID. I saw that, yeah. This is the, this is the second coach after... You know, New Orleans Saint coach um, Sean Payton had it right. Yeah, Sean Payton. I just am terrible with names today. I apologize to everybody in the audience. Um, I I use all the name space in my head for keeping my students straight, and even <laughs> that fails at times. But you know, this unlike with Sean Payton, who got it during you know this big off season, you know, the Eagles are getting ready to head into training camp. Yeah, we're you know, in August could, now. <laughs> this could have you know some real ripple effects for the eagles if you know if he's not able to coach them although i've i've seen some people just saying that they're going to tape an ipad to an assistant coach's head or an intern's head and have him facetime there you the go. practices well and i bet at least as of right now he would still be ready to go by the season yeah. start but yeah i mean we're we're pushing up against the the start here and pretty soon it's going to be too late if someone gets it in, you know, the end of August. So I don't know, but the sports restart, it's been, it's been wild to say the least. You've had everything from, I would say, extreme successes to just horrid failures. So yeah, I I would definitely agree. And that's the way it's going to go. It's, it's going to be either a success or a failure. And right now there's no in between until, we have a vaccine or something like that that we can for sure say that these players are going to be able to be safe. The fans are going to be able to be safe at the games. You know, sports is going to be in a very weird spot. Yeah, but sports being in a weird spot is better than sports not happening, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'm very excited. As I as I mentioned earlier, I'm very, very excited for football to come back. I am so excited to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in full form this year um, with Tom Brady, Gronkowski, you know, Mike Evans, of course, just, and Chris Godwin had an amazing year this past season. And I am so excited to see how well 
that offense develops because they're again I'm a little biased as a Buccaneers fan, but they're just so potent. And then you have a young defensive core. You we just drafted Tristan Wirfs. I'm I'm my excitement is unbridled. I can't tell you how excited I am to watch some of those players come back onto the field. You know, Twist Tristan Wirfs, like I said, I can't wait to see how he goes. We have the last year's sack leader um, in Shaquille Barrett. I can't wait to see if he can hold on to that crown, which I really hope he does. <laughs> uh huh. But yeah, I I could rave about the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers all day because I am just my hype train is off the frickin' scale right now. Yeah, I, I hadn't noticed. You know, Justin, I can barely <laughs> hear you. You're all the way up there on cloud nine. The rest of us are down here. Yeah, on I know. Floor. That's. <laughs> I mean, but the thing that worries me, too, I will say this. I know we're getting a little a little close to our quitting time here. But, you know, this is the, the best the Buccaneers have looked in a long, long time. If we do somehow make it to the Super Bowl this year, there's always going to be that asterisk of like, oh, well, the Patriots had 10 players that opted out. So you won in a Patriots-less league. Or, you know, these 10 players or these 11 players opted out. So all these other teams were at less than their full potential. So you didn't really earn it. You know, and the same can be said for all these other leagues as well. Oh, yeah. The old asterisk argument. You were going to get that for years to come down the road. But um, I can certainly see why there's a lot to be excited about for Tampa fans who haven't seen this sort of success since I would say probably the early 2000s. It's, it's been a long time since we've made the playoffs. Like I said, if if Tampa Bay makes it to a Super Bowl this year, we're just going to have to let Justin host the show on his <laughs> own because he can do all the talking for himself for two hours about this. Let me tell you about all of Tom Brady's receiving options. <laughs> I'm not actually going to talk about that. (laughs) But with that, I think we have to wrap things up here. We're kind of getting pushed up against our time. But thanks for listening, everybody. You made it through another episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. We're the expansion BU, the number one. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google. If you tweet at us, we will definitely retweet you because we love you guys. Thanks for listening. For the Expansion Buddies podcast, this is Justin, and never forget, party like it's 1976.